Hey, Sissy, you want to hear a joke? Okay. <laughs> Paul's already so mad. <laughs> Did you hear about that cheese factory explosion in France? No. It's crazy, because debris is everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> Get it? Yes. Debris is a cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, podcast besties. Hi. This is not the environment I thought it was. <laughs> what did you think it was? I don't know. I felt like it was you guys sitting at a table like across from each other. Paul doesn't want to sit in the kitchen table. That was a recommendation I had, but he wants to do it in here. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> For those who didn't realize, we have an extra voice in here. This is my best friend, Stacia, who I've mentioned a few times on the podcast. So Quite a few. Yeah. I love her. I can't help <laughs> it. <laughs> Um, anyway, welcome to episode 12 of Isn't That Odd Pod and All Things Spooky Podcast. We don't have any categories today because it's a special episode. You get to listen to me talk the entire time. So. It's all Brianna. I don't want to do anything. I'm too tired. And so we brought Seisha on You board. can't see it, but Paul's adjusting his hat. And Paul is being it's so comfy. mean to me today. <laughs> yeah. And so we have Seisha on board because usually I just don't want to be alone giving commentary. So... Yeah, Stacia does this really funny thing. Um, I'm just we're just talking for her at this point because she's not going to talk. Yeah, no, I will. Stacia is essentially the fill in <laughs> Brianna. Yeah. So usually, like we did with Andrew's episode, he would tell us something, and then Brianna and I would comment. But Brianna had this really great conspiracy that was going to take up a whole episode, so she's doing that. And so I brought Stacia to be the commentary co-host. Stacia does this thing where she listens to our episodes and they release, and then me and Paul will be like laughing with each other, and Stacia will have like third person commentary like a week later. And so we just brought her on for the commentary for that because that's funny. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Do you have anything to say? No. No. What? Hello, it's me. <laughs> it's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's really. I really am I'm the just problem. Just gonna today, add huh? my own knowledge into anything that comes up, and, and I like to talk. Why are you talking in an accent? <laughs> This is me. With barely any emphasis. <laughs> She's just like mumbling into stop whispering into the microphone. I don't know how loud to be. Just normal. Am I being loud? No. I feel but, like this like, is my normal know. talking. I don't know how it's going to pick up. I don't want to be like too loud. Well, you I'm could be like close. me and just screaming into the mic. I'm also very close. I could like this. Yeah, no, but I can see you're not that loud. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I just had to check. Anyways. <laughs> Anywho. So it'll be a special conspiracy? Is it conspiracy? just conspiracy or is it like a mix of... Conspiracy. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Wowee. So is it just conspiracy or is it a mix? Wowee. Is it a conspiracy? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, it's a conspiracy... It's a conspiracy and it's a true crime, so it's a lot, so that's why. So yeah, full-on conspiracy episode mm-hmm. with a little bit of true crime sprinkled in, all from I Brianna. was going to say, are you just going to keep saying conspiracy because it is true crime, too? No, it's both. It's two. Mm-hmm. So it's she's covering two subjects in one episode, mm-hmm. all by herself, mm-hmm. without me. And I'm okay with that. I'm all alone. You'll be fine. Mm. You got it. Mm. 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 You can see what it's like for our guests. What does that mean? 
because, for instance, Andrew during his, ups- oh. his episode, he only. Why had are you taking me out of the equation? Like it's not Stacia seeing what it's like. <laughs> like, <laughs> why don't you like me today? <laughs> I'm confused. I'm confused. You're being mean. I don't think I'm being mean. You have anything to say? Um, I don't know. How was your day? Um, it's actually pretty good. I worked for a little while, and I then didn't see you. I was off. Yeah. Well, not that I well, see I saw you him when yesterday. I'm on anymore, but. I saw you yesterday. Uh, we worked together, and Paul was really stressed yesterday because he did his notes the day before we record, like he always does. And so I was also doing two notes. You know what I cut out of the last episode? What? Where the trash truck was outside. <laughs> and I was like, if you listen, it sounds like they're screaming, and then that's all I hear. Um, I did see you yesterday, but you did your notes last minute, like always. And then I was also doing notes. And then I also had to edit, so we were both just, like, really stress balls. And Paul was, like, vibrating. Literally, it was so... Yeah, it was a good hour where I was overly anxious because I was like, okay, I have he to was do so notes, anxious, I have though, to do he this, and I have to do this. Anxious. And then a co-worker was just like, FYI, you have to do this, too. And I was like... <gasps> and yeah, it was just a That little, little vibration, thing. he just said he was doing that, and it was making me so anxious. Yeah. Because I had everything to do within, like, an hour span, and it was just becoming a lot. Minus the notes. Don't and then put yourself out for the man. The man can wait for you. Yeah, fuck that man. Yeah. 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 Just not literally. Gross. I told you. <laughs> How was your day? Welcome to the pod. Thanks. How was, was your day? What did you do? pretty good. Tell us all I about was it. just at work. Um, <laughs> cut my finger open. Why are you talking like a valley girl? I am. <laughs> <laughs> now you're making am. up a persona for the podcast. <laughs> I cut my finger open at work. How'd you do I'm that? I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you said. Say that one more time. She cut mic. her finger at work. Well, she lo- well, I cut my finger open at work. What'd you do? Tell us all cut about it. Cut it straight open. Um, Walk us through the injury. I was moving some drawer organizers, bamboo, on the shelf. And there was like a little millimeter difference between the two shelves. I was turning it on and uh, the corner of the organizer got my finger in between the shelves and it just... Rip that bitch right open. That's a oh, big ouchie. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, you can. Swear. You just asked if you can say bitch. I don't know. You know what I mean, Paul. That's a big ouchie, ouchie. Yeah, Paul moans in the like every big fucking hole. Ep- every episode. No, I don't. Okay, big gaping hole. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I would love to know. Yeah, me too. The Grand Canyon is also a big gaping hole. Ah, mm. Not a bit better. <laughs> ah. We're gonna talk about a butthole, anyways. Oh yeah, but other than that. Mm. Regular, regular day. That's nice. I love that. Thanks. I went to a farm and got salsa, and it's really hey, good. Yeah, what farm? Did you, what? Actually, what farm did you go to without triangulating your location? The one I usually go to for apple cider donuts. Oh, ooh, they have good they apple cider. Donuts. They had, they had apple cider donuts, but they were in the freezer, so they weren't going to mm. be as good as obviously normal. So I didn't get them. Can we go pumpkin picking this year? We didn't go. Probably last year. not. <laughs> I'm sick of you. All right, you're so mean to me. <laughs> At least it's not me this time. <laughs> Any hoozle. Okay, does anybody else want to be the co-host of this podcast? The FBI really is going to follow us. Huh? Huh? Well, the FBI. Oh. Oh. Hmm. This is a big conspiracy. <laughs> Go ahead. What we need to just get into the story. I'm over it. <laughs> the floor is yours. Paul's usually a lot nicer than this. Anyway. I think I'm pretty tame. I think I'm overly tame. I don't. I usually I'm all over the place. Are you done? You just told me to get into it. Now you're still talking. You had to make it. You made a comment, so I had to make a comment back. But that was weird. Anyway, 
So plane hijacking is probably one of the craziest things to experience, in my opinion. Now, I've never flown an airplane before, but both of you have. Would you agree with that, that it's a scary experience? Like, obviously, you haven't experienced it, but, like, the fear of experiencing it. I would assume, yes. (laughs) She's doing this shit like she's playing a game show. (laughs) I'll take 10, Bob. (laughs) What is yes? I would assume so. (laughs) I'll take TikTok for 200. I'm going to start crying. TikTok for 200? (laughs) TikTok for 200. What is the Harlem Shake? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> well, yes. So, <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> answer your question. I hate airplanes specifically because you hate airplanes, but you be flying. If there's one thing I'm Paul be catching, it's flights. You can you could drive. <laughs> no, you think I'm going to drive across country to California? Yes, we no. drove across the country. You think I, I wouldn't even trip. drive to Florida? We don't. Y'all Florida. are crazy for nah, doing that. It's not. Hey, you're doing the thing again where you're whipping your head back. I'm trying to speak straight and then look at you. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, just making. I'm sure. trying my best. I know, I know. I'm giving you credit. Don't it's yell at me. I'll just trip. do like this and I'll just look straight and then <laughs> I won't look at anybody. No, because then you're going to scream into the mic. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just going to stay like this. You can do this. And I'm not going to talk to anybody. You could do this. Suddenly, this isn't the best idea. <laughs> I gotta go home. We're I'm at seeing your home. stars. Yeah, you know when I always tell you that I black out. That's what I mean when I start seeing stars. He's blacking out. That's I why he I... meant a literal. Star. No, he's blacking out. So yeah, uh, planes hijacking, scary. Ooh, <laughs> ah, go ahead. Someone like myself, deathly afraid of flying. This is uh, one of my major concerns about flying. That's why I never will. It's honestly so scary, it's depicted in many pop culture references in movies like Nonstop, Air Force One, and Hijack, just to name a few. What the fuck is Air Force One? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's a movie from the 90s that I've seen so many times, and that's why I reference it. And it's, I think it's Harrison Ford plays the president, and his plane gets hijacked. Oh. And he, like, has to, like, fight off the terrorist off the plane, which is crazy, because that would never actually happen. I would have referenced, like, snakes on a plane. That's not hijacking, it's what? just snakes on a plane. <laughs> no hijacking the in that movie. The is hijacked by snakes. Am I wrong? You're going to look at me and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? Kind of. They're not really hijacking the plane. They, they just, are. They Did the plane keep out. going on its normal route? They no, just, it was hijacked. They got out, though. They weren't, like, the snakes weren't like, oh, I'm going to hijack this plane. How would you know? Do you speak snake? <laughs> Have you seen the movie? Snake. So snake. I'm just going to do it. Um... But in a post-9-11 world, hijacking is not as, quote, easy as it once was in terms of TSA, medical detectors, and all the security. Thanks, George Bush. (laughs) George Bush don't care about black people. (laughs) What? (laughs) Exactly what that was. But in today's episode, we're going back to the 1970s. That's like 40 years ago. 50 years ago. 50 Correct. Wait, do you yeah. say fi- wait, 1970s. 6 5 That's 60 wait. It's 50 years ago. Wait, what? <laughs> what year? You're not talking into the You're not talking 1970. Oh, yeah, it was 50 years ago. 1970, Bob. <laughs> I think we can all agree. It takes an extremely detail-oriented person to hijack an airplane, demand ransom money, and never be caught. This person that I'm going to talk about today is so infamous, he's a pop culture reference across all media. Most recently in the Disney Plus show Loki, which I know you guys both haven't watched, but you know. So today we're going to be talking about the infamous hijacker, D.B. Cooper. That's where I heard it. Mm-hmm. I have I've seen this thing. 
Okay. So my sources today, because <laughs> I love to set my sources, are going to be wikipedia.com, newsweek.com, bostonglobe.com, and the Netflix documentary, D.B. Cooper, Where Are You? Okay, great. <laughs> we love sources. We love sources. I love sources. You don't. Anyway. Oh. So... <laughs> my sources for this episode are Wikipedia, Yahoo News, and MSNBC.com. In the early 1970s, airport security was actually non-existent. Airport? I'm not mm. going to the airport. In my notes, I literally have insert bluey joke here. <laughs> no one was worried about the liquids in your carry-on. Yeah, they weren't worried about you removing your shoes or doing like full body scans. There were no lines to get to any of the boarding gates. In fact, you could walk right up to the gate and buy a ticket. Security checks consisted of a breezy pass-through through a metal detector and an x-ray of your bag. Quick, easy, efficient. It wasn't until January 5th of 1973 that the FAA required all airlines to start screening passengers and their luggage. Which clearly wasn't good enough, but you know, whatever. If they had started this just two years early... Perhaps the D.B. Cooper story could have been completely different. But anyway, we're going to get into the story now. So first things first, let's get into the facts. I'm the realist. Mm. Let me just say. First thing first, I'm the realist. Drop this and let the whole world hear it. I forgot I was saying something. Um, There's a lot of facts in the story, so if you get confused, let me know so I can circle back. No cap? Mm. Order in the court. All right, go ahead. Okay. You done? Yep. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> Promotion. I knew it. I fucking knew it. <laughs> okay. So let's Why get into the... I sound like moans. <laughs> I'm ready. Added emphasis. Let's get into the facts. On Thanksgiving Eve, November 24th, 1971, a man carrying a black briefcase approached the flight counter of Northwest Orient Airlines in Portland International Airport. A lot of words. Using cash, the man purchased a one-way ticket on flight 305, a 30-minute trip south to SeaTac, or Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. On his ticket, the man listed his name as Dan Cooper. Eyewitnesses described Cooper as a white male in his 40s with dark hair and brown eyes. He was wearing a brown or black business suit, a white shirt, a thin brown tie, a black raincoat, and brown shoes. I feel like none of that matches, but that's besides the point. Cooper boarded Flight 305, which was a Boeing 727-100. He took his seat in the last row. His seat was 18E, and he ordered a drink, which was a bourbon and 7-Up. Classy. (laughs) Bourbon. (laughs) 7-Up. 7-Up just tastes like Sprite, doesn't it? It's like... It's it's lemon-lime, though, right? It's like Mountain Dew. What's it called when you have a soda open too long? Flat Sprite. I was gonna say it is a lemon lime soda, but I don't like it. I had a Seven Up, so I, don't, I feel like it's now it's called like Starry or something. No, shit that's like Sierra that. Mist. Stacia would know. Stacia loves Sierra Mist. I love the you love the citrus Sierra Mist. sodas. <laughs> Sierra Mist Sprite Ginger Ale, give it to me. Ginger Ale is not. Lemon. I know, but <laughs> it's not a dark soda. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So flight 305 left Portland on schedule at 2.50 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> it left Portland on schedule at 2.50 p.m. PST. This is all in PST, obviously. PST, for anyone that doesn't know, specific standard time. I didn't. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know that. I was looking at Paul because I was like, everybody's going <laughs> to 
That's like your California. How did you not time. know that? I only know you can do long division, but you can't do that. I don't know anything about time zones. I live think, here. Think California, West Coast, PST. Three hours behind us because we're on the East Coast. None of it. Makes which sense. is EST, which is Eastern Standard Time. Because we're on the East Coast. So, I know. I didn't know Pacific. I Pacific think, because they're near the Pacific no, Ocean. Oh yeah, I would think it would be West, but I mean Pacifically. That's just me. <laughs> WST, Western Standard Time? Yeah. Mm. I only know Eastern and Central. Anything else, it doesn't make sense. So literally the last one, PST. <laughs> I didn't know there was three. But the, I think there's more than three. Isn't the Central one uh, kind of I guess of there's like, like GMT, which is like, I don't know, That doesn't else. make sense to me. That sounds like a car. Know, just, <laughs> that's GMC. General Motor Company. <laughs> Honestly, if you stop listening to this episode, I don't blame you. <laughs> Station it so I had to do it. I'm done. I'm ready to listen. Okay, so I'm gonna finish my sentence. Um, they left Portland. You for knowing where you left off. They left Portland (laughs) on schedule with a flight crew of six and then 37 passengers on board. You might need to repeat that. I hit my mic by accident. Yeah, I bet you fucking did. Flight 305 left Portland. On schedule at 2.50 PST. Shut the fuck up. With a flight crew of six and 37 passengers aboard. Wait. I feel like that's a small plane. But I feel like the Boeings. The Boeing um, planes are big. Well, there was was, 30, did you say there were 37 passengers? Mm-hmm. That's it? Yes. Yeah. This yeah. in the 1970s. Very small. Hmm. Flying in the 1970s was different than it's flying I now. wish I could hop it on was a very plane lux- today that only had 37 people. It was very luxurious back then. Mm. That's sense. mad luxurious. And we fucking... Yeah, but anyway, the, um, thirty-seven passengers. Yeah, no, but flying back then was like luxurious. Mm. So um, I wish. Yeah, I when I was looking up doing research for it on one of the things that I sorted, sorted, <laughs> it said um, basically that like you had like free drinks the whole flight, like you had so much space. There was like nightclubs, like when you see the movies, nightclubs. When you see the movies and it's like has a nightclub on the plane, you're kind of like, oh yeah, what the fuck? No, they really did. That's crazy. Yeah. The so it's to the point now. When I just booked flights, where the hell did I? To California. Mm. And it's on an airline I've never been to before. And on the left side of the plane is two seat rows. And on the, the other right side. side is three. Mm. And we... I told Paul that if the plane crashed and he dies, I'm going to be really fucking mad. Yeah. And the with the ticket that I booked for us, we got like the better seats for free. Mm. Like the extra room seats. Yeah. But I said screw that and got us the seats from the two seat row because oh, i'm so like no i'll give up seat. the i'll give up the extra leg room to just have a row him and i yeah because i can't tell you the amount of times i've had to pee and i won't because it'll be andrew at the window i'm in the middle and then someone random at the end and i can't get myself to speak excuse me excuse me so having a two two people row is luxurious to me absolutely not absolutely not what i would not kill my kidneys for some random aspirator oh Mm. i would i would i have anxiety i have my anxiety is dying every day you know what's actually there was one time that i was really quite literally crossing my legs and holding my pee and the woman was asleep and i was just like bouncing up and down and then when she finally woke up i made eye contact and i was like can i do you know just She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, great. You know what's really funny? I didn't know that guys could cross their legs like that to hold their pee, and I thought that was just a girl thing. I, I don't, I don't like know to how tell your myself it works. works. I don't know how to live your anatomy. 
Stacia does this really nice thing when I'm anxious and I, when I don't want to do something, she'll do it for me. So she's like my mom. Hmm. Excuse me. Can my daughter squeeze by you and go to the bathroom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or if like something's in the store and i can't find it she's like are you gonna ask somebody i'm like no she's like i'll go ask somebody and then she'll go find somebody and ask for me see with stuff like that i can do but for some reason i just couldn't get myself to ask the woman to wake up so i could go pee i feel like that's rude someone's sleeping on the plane because i know it's hard to sleep on a plane i can also tell you i wouldn't wake up like i would be like it would wake me up i would just act like i was still sleeping <laughs> Also, why I'm glad I just just wrote the two of us. If that was me, I would just push your ass out of the seat. So shortly after takeoff, offset. <laughs> Cooper handed a note to a flight attendant, Florence Skinaffer. I think is how you pronounce her last name. I'm not sure. So she was sitting in the jump seat that was directly behind Cooper. And at this time, it was very common for flight attendants to be sexually harassed on the flights. Um, I would hope that that's not how it is anymore. But you know, men. No men are just men so yeah true well you're gay so you actually wouldn't know if that's still happening i don't think they'd allow it they'd probably just get kicked off the plane true because flight attendants now can just be like you looked at me the wrong way and get off my plane and they usually have like flight marshals on there they did back then too oh well if that's something that was prominent in the society they're not going to do anything Hmm. but now we're all about equality which is great yeah love that yeah Anyway, so assuming that the note was going to be a lonely businessman's number, uh, Florence just smiled and then she dropped the note unopened into her purse. Cooper then leaned and whispered, Miss, you'd better look at that note. I have a bomb. Florence then opened the note, which I don't know why you'd open the note after he said that he has a bomb. I would be like, oh, cool. You have a bomb. Great. I'm sure that's what the note said. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) In all... In clean, all capital letters, printed with a felt-tip pen, Cooper had written, Miss, I have a bomb in my briefcase, and I want you to sit by me. And it's real nice that he has, like, manners, you know, because he keeps calling her Miss, and that's just like, you don't have that anymore. No manners. <laughs> so they haven't said anything, but they're both of their faces are just so dumb. <laughs> they didn't love that. Sorry. For a minute, I thought you were going off the story still, and no, I was no, like, damn, no. she I just glazed that all over in. that. No. Because hmm. my thought is, if someone said... I have a bomb and I want you to sit next to me. No. I would just I would stay off. where I am. Because if you're going to detonate this bomb, well, why does it matter if I'm next to you? No. So Florence returned the note to Cooper, which also, I don't know if he, like, specified. I don't know if he specified that he wanted the note, like, returned to him, but she did. Um, she gave it back to him and sat down next to him as requested. And then she politely asked to see the bomb. Cooper, of course, opened his briefcase. And Florence saw two rows of red cylinders. She assumed that it was dynamite. So attached to the cylinders was a wire and a large battery. (laughs) Can I just say also that building a bomb seems like a lot of work? Apparently not to the kid that was in our school. Oh, that is true. If you went to our high school, you already know. Even middle school. When I was in middle school, we had like a week straight where it was like bomb threats every single day. Mm. People just do it as pressure cookers now. Those are literally just bombs in themselves. Yeah. You're not supposed to lock the lid down when you're cooking with it. It's only for transport. I was going to say, the mines would have the lock. It's only for transport. How do you know that? That's why they blow up. Oh. I have a rice too cooker. Much I have a pressure cooker. Keeping the lid on like that. Under pressure. Dun, 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 dun. Ice. Ice, baby. Dum, 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 dum. So Cooper closed the briefcase and told Florence his demands. She wrote a note with his demands, carried it to the cockpit. Cockpit. You have nothing to say to that? What? Okay cockpit 
and she informed the flight crew of the situation. No, I had something. I just didn't want to say it. Captain Scott, <laughs> who was the pilot of the flight, directed her to remain in the cockpit. <gasps> That's a new word for butt sex. What? The cockpit. What? Your butt is a pit for your cockpit. <laughs> I hate that word. It's different when it's attached to Which something. Which one, pit? <laughs> I'm seeing stars again. You were at the cockpit? So Captain Scott. <laughs> in the cockpit. Who is the pilot? Of the cockpit. <laughs> wanted her to remain in the... Cockpit. Thank you. For the remainder of the flight and take notes about everything that was unfolding. Captain Scott then contacted the Northeast Flight Operations in Minnesota, and he relayed the demands. Cooper requests 200000 in a knapsack by 5 p.m. He wants two front parachutes and two back parachutes. I didn't know that there was a difference between front and back parachutes. And he wants all the money in American currency. Which, before we get keep going, it's weird that he's in America, hijacking an American plane, demanding ransom, and special, like, special, like, Specifying? specifying, yes, specifying that yes. he wants <laughs> American money, like it's not a given that but he can get he, American they money. They could like be messing with him and just give him like you know yen, but in two hundred thousand. Yeah, but I think if you have a bomb on an airplane, they're not going to mess with you. They could. He's not going to get <laughs> the could. money until they land anyway. Just blow up the airplane. Mm. So with Florence in the cockpit, another flight attendant named Tina sat next to Cooper as like to act as like a li- liaison between everybody, right? And so Cooper. Of course, he did, but he made some additional demands. Upon landing in Seattle, the fuel trucks must meet the plane on the platform, and all the passengers must remain seated while Tina brings the money aboard. After he had all the money, then he would let the passengers go. And the last items he brought aboard would be the four parachutes. If he's on the ground, why does he need parachutes? He's not getting off the plane. How else would you jump out of an airplane? Would you just jump, or would you just... Wait, no, I thought they said, wouldn't they have to land to get the money? Yes. Yeah, but then they're going to take And then he's going to get the money. Oh, I, heard, the I missed go. the take off again. Okay, sorry. I didn't say ahead. take off again, but I feel like it's going to... Just I just assumed. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't think what I What if it doesn't say it? It does. Oh. Because he has the bomb. So if he doesn't, if the plane does not take off again like he wants it to, he's just going to detonate the bomb. Oh, okay. They're bombs. And they're... <laughs> it's a bomb factory. They're bombs. <laughs> Got it. It's I'm not a board. pie. I'm not on board the, this flight, but I'm on board this story. <laughs> I wish we had a fucking visual so you could see Stacia just <laughs> nodding along. I'm trying to stop making as many jokes and stuff. You can make jokes. It's just Paul's... You and Paul are on some shit, I clearly. Know, that's why I'm, I'm only trying to do it, like, only two every two minutes. So Captain Scott then informed SeaTac Air Traffic Control about the situation and the additional demands. And SeaTac contacted the local police and the FBI. Donald Narope. I think you said you pronounced his name. There's no, no, it just sends in a P. Narope. Narope? What does neuropathy mean? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> as soon as you said that, the word just popped into my head. I was like, what does that mean? He was the president of the Northwest Orient, and he authorized payment of the ransom and ordered all employees to cooperate with the hijacker and comply with his demands. For approximately two hours, Flight 305 circled in the air and gave, like, to give police and FBI enough time to assemble the ransom money and all the parachutes. Where did they get the money? Do they just print it or did they get it from banks? They went to banks. Like, we need a loan. They went to banks. Mm. No, they, they just steal people's money. Well, considering that it was 
the um, president of like the the Plot airline. Twist. What if they gave him fake money? They didn't. Mm. It was the president of the airline. What did, I, they could have. So I don't know why they did. So I'm assuming it came out of like the airline's funds. Because yo, imagine your plane gets hijacked and then you have to pay. Yeah, the ransom. Damn. Well, I, think well, I guess you should have. I think security, they were convinced babe. that he wasn't going to get caught. I think that's what it was. Oh. And then he didn't, and they lost two hundred thousand. Rip. Is this airline still in business? Do we know the airline? I told you like five fucking times. What is it? Southwest. Oh, they're still. In it's business. not Southwest. It's Northwest. <laughs> it's what? Northwest. Never heard of them. Northwest. Kardashian. Oh, like okay. we yeah. Kim Kardashian is DB Cooper. I mean, don't put that. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> I was not expecting you to say so the passengers were told that their arrival to Seattle would be delayed because of a, quote, minor technical issue, whatever. And I'm curious if the people in the window seat noticed that they were circling. Like, if they kept looking out the window and just kept seeing the same scenery, because I would. I'd be like, I've seen that tree, like, fucking five times now, because <laughs> they're just circling it. So during the flight from Portland to Seattle, after they picked up all the stuff that he demanded, Cooper demanded that Tina, the flight attendant who was acting as a, as a liaison, stay next to him at all times. She said that Cooper appeared familiar with the local terrain. And while looking out the window, Cooper commented, it looks like Tacoma down there. And Cooper correctly noted that McCord Air Force Base was approximately 20 minutes from the SeaTac airport. And she later described Cooper as, quote, not nervous. He seemed rather nice and he was not cruel or nasty, end quote. We love a respectful... That's what I'm saying. He's very nice. He has manners. He is hijacking a plane, but, you know... He just wants money. Yeah. I can feel that. Me too. I wouldn't go as far as hijacking a plane to get it. That's just me. Debatable. Would you ever rob a bank? No. Okay. I don't think I could plan that out correctly. Pin that. Pin that. Hmm. While the plane circled Seattle, Tina chatted with Cooper and asked why he picked Northwest Airlines to hijack. And Cooper simply replied... It's not because I have a grudge against your airlines. I just have a grudge. Cooper then asked where Tina was from, and she said she was originally from Pennsylvania, but was living in Indianapolis at the time. And Cooper commented that Minnesota was very nice country. Wait, so he had Florence, Florence. the one flight attendant sitting next to him, nope, and then nope, no, no. Florence was the first flight attendant that he gave the note to. Yeah, and then she got sent to the cockpit. Oh, she never came back. Yep, because got the it. Guy and now Tina stay. is and now okay, Tina is acting it. as a liaison, is what they call it, but basically just like the middleman. Okay, which is interesting to me. And I was thinking about this, and I just remembered it that he made one flight attendant stay in the cockpit, he being like the captain, and then sent another flight attendant to be the liaison. Like the first one wasn't enough. He said, "Not Florence, but Tina." Yeah, we like Tina. We stand Tina. Tina then asked Cooper where he was from, but he became upset and he refused to answer. And I mean, that's like a good try, trying to like ask him where he's from, but he's not going to fucking tell you that. So, you know, whatever. There are some accounts of Cooper and Tina chatting with another passenger in a cowboy hat, but he was never interviewed by the FBI. So I just never looked into that further. Fair enough. I want to be a cowboy, baby. Thank you. FBI agents used several banks in the Seattle area to assemble the ransom. So there's your answer, Paul. Thanks. The money was in unmarked $20 bills and was photographed on microfilm by the FBI. Do you know what microfilm is? Nope. So microfilm is basically just like the FBI just took pictures of the bills so that way they knew what the serial numbers were so they can keep track of them. Smart. And they tried giving Cooper military-issued parachutes, but he rejected them, and he demanded four civilian parachutes. So they obtained, they as in the police... They obtained two front parachutes from a local skydiving school <laughs> and two back parachutes from a local stunt pilot. 
<laughs> they said, give me your parachutes. Around 5.24 p.m., Captain Scott was informed that the parachutes were delivered to the airport and they notified Cooper that they would be landing soon. At 5.46, Flight 305 landed at SeaTac. Scott, with Cooper's permission, parked the aircraft on the runway. And he parked it on, like, a partially lit part of the runway and away from the actual airport. Like, not up close like they normally are, but, like, away. Cooper demanded that only one representative of the airline could approach the plane with the parachutes and the money. And the only entrance and exit that they could use was the aircraft's front door. Al Lee, who worked for Northwest, was the operations manager, and so he was designated to do the job. And per Cooper's directive, Tina exited the aircraft through the front door and received the ransom money. When Tina returned, she gave the bag of money to Cooper, and he agreed to release all the passengers. Can I pause? Yeah. So working in retail, you can probably... Everyone can relate. Being a manager and you get called to the front to handle, like, some unruly guests, and you're just sitting there like, oh, I don't want to do it, and then you're just like, you dread it. Imagine working at an airport and being just like, yeah, this guy on this plane that has a bomb a real life bomb and you have to go give it to him so he doesn't set off the bomb it's a bomb factory mm. they make bombs they're well, bombs but just it's like that retail customer servicing just a hundred times more stressful um mm-hmm. well actually i'm always looking for a fight <laughs> <laughs> when we would work at the we red- wouldn't send station <laughs> on that plane is what we're coming to when we used to work at the red store i used to hate it when we get sent back to the pharmacy for like unruly customers because i was like i swear to god if someone fucking fights me with their medication that's it their own hands hated it mm. we don't say the actual place of where we worked we just say the red store oh we don't we don't like them yeah so don't say it <laughs> i'll cut it out You're like so sorry it's against policy nope <laughs> that's me but just juke him out on the airplane he sets out the bomb they're like it could have it would have been fine but station had to juke them out let you set this bomb off right now with i'll set the bomb off 37 passengers get on off board. my airplane <laughs> i'll set the bomb off it's either you get off the airplane or no one's getting off the airplane tell me how to detonate this bomb right now <laughs> i wonder if you would call your bluff <laughs> if it was me in the 1970s that plane personally if that was me i wouldn't stand for personally, that personally if that was me i wouldn't take that <laughs> I say that to Roxy <laughs> every day when Kiwan yells at her when she's screaming. <laughs> she just, you know, Roxy, she just screams. And then Kiwan's like, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, personally, Roxy, I wouldn't stand for that. <laughs> so Cooper agreed to release the passengers. And as the passengers got off the plane, Cooper inspected the money. In the attempt to, like, break the tension that was going on in this very hostile situation, Tina jokingly asked Cooper for some money. And he, he agreed. He answered her some. <laughs> <laughs> and Go ahead, Tina. Get you back. Tina immediately returned the money and explained accepting gratitudes was against company policy. Mm. Couldn't be me. Oh, Give me the money. Bro. I would have pocketed it, Give especially money, no one saw. What is this pocket? I would have lied. Yeah, I would have lied my ass up. They gave it away anyway. I would have. I would have. I would have. I would have looked at him and be like, you know what? You're not so bad after all. Like, let's. Get my fucking money. <laughs> and it gives you like five bucks. <laughs> five bucks is five bucks. That's five more bucks I didn't have. That's a coffee. That is not a coffee. Yeah, it is. Why are you making that face? At least a hundred bucks. <laughs> if he's got two hundred thousand on him right now, at least a hundred. <laughs> hey, Coop Coop, I got 50k in student loans. Not the Coop Coop. <laughs> 
So Tina then said that Cooper, back, actually the whole time the plane, this whole interaction was, he kept trying to give the flight attendants tips the entire flight. And they all had to say no. nice. That's what I'm saying. They what just do you need money for? Oh, never mind. I mean, that was unanswered, but... <laughs> You're being a really good Brianna villain, because that's what she does all the time. <laughs> I am Brianna. That's true. I'm also Paul. That is also true. I'm everyone in this room. What's your moon sign again? If I remember correctly, it's, it's you're a Pisces. Libra. No, oh, I think it's Virgo it's, or something. Hold I think your your rising sign is a Virgo, and I think your moon sign is a Scorpio. I'm, nope, if I remember not correctly. Scorpio. I, would I was going to say. Stand for that, I'd kill myself. Oh well, Paul's actually a Scorpio moon and rising. <laughs> and I don't know how he hasn't killed himself. Um. So my moon is <laughs> Paul's actually Libra. Good. Yep. Um. And my rising is um, a Virgo. A Virgo, and I am a Pisces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never remember because there's too many. Why do I have to have seven different ones? That's such a Pisces thing for you to say. Sorry. <laughs> Personally, I don't understand for what, that. What is what is a uh, Libra? What is that? Who's that? Tiana's a Libra. Was it mean if my moon is a Libra? Your moon sign is how you how your feelings are reflected. And how are Libras? Level-headed and logical and balanced. Shuddy a Libra. <laughs> She's like a Z, bro. <laughs> Doing my algebra. <laughs> So the passengers are now off the plane, and it's only Cooper and the six crew members that are remaining on flight 305. Tina made three trips outside the aircraft to receive the parachutes, and she brought them back to Cooper. I don't know why she made three trips for four parachutes. That math never made sense, regardless. probably heavy. Wait. She still brought two on at some point. Yeah, I have nothing. She didn't want to do four trips. Maybe the first bag was a parachute and the money? Parachute. Maybe maybe the back ones are heavier than the front ones. I don't know. I literally have no idea. Two back ones and then carry both the front ones at one time? Maybe. I don't know. Give me the the weight (laughs) calculations. Give me the what? The weight calculations of a parachute. (laughs) (laughs) You said that's so matter of fact. I love how that is the math. That is the conspiracy you're trying to solve immediately in my head that is a conspiracy you're trying to solve and not why this <laughs> man hijacked this episode to be over <laughs> we also have another one to record after this oh no we but didn't. this one this one we're both ta- the next one we're both talking anyway whatever and me <laughs> and me actually i have to go home while tina brought aboard the parachutes florence and another flight attendant asked cooper if the flight attendants could leave which cooper replied Whatever you girls would like to do. So Alice, who is the other flight attendant that was a Florence, and Florence got off the airplane. And he is so nice, it's weird. Because <laughs> he's trying to give them tip money the whole time. He's being so polite. He's like, if you guys want to get off the flight, because I have a bomb, yeah, you can get off the flight. Sure, I don't give a fuck. I got my money. Like, I've, it's, he's so nice, it's I would so stay with him. Hmm. That's why Paul's going to therapy. <laughs> yeah. be a new sugar daddy. Right. Get more money out of him. He's clearly nice, so he's not here to hurt you. Hmm. When Tina brought aboard the final parachute, she gave printed instructions, like, how to use the parachute to Cooper, and he denied them and said he did not need them. While this parachute conversation was happening, a problem with the refueling process of, like, trying to fill up the airplane caused a delay, and Cooper just got fucking pissed about it. Like, he was like, why is this taking so long? It should not be taking so long. (laughs) During this delay... Tina said that Cooper was actually complaining because the money was delivered in a cloth bag instead of in a knapsack like he had directed. 
So he now had to improvise a way to transport the money. And using a pocket knife, he cut like a line from one of the parachutes to tie it to his waist. An FAA official requested a face-to-face meeting with Cooper aboard the aircraft, but obviously Cooper denied the request. And I swear to God, these people are so fucking dumb, because why would this man say yes to that? (laughs) Yeah, sure, I'll meet you face-to-face, why not? And then it's a fucking cop. Like, (laughs) he's clearly really smart, and they're just like, can we talk? And he's like, no. So Cooper then gave the cockpit crew (laughs) his flight directions, and he was very specific about what he told them. He wanted to take a southeast course towards Mexico City. He wanted to go at a minimum speed without stalling the aircraft. So approximately 100 knots was 115 miles per hour at a maximum of 10,000 feet. Cooper also specified that he wanted the landing gear to be deployed, the wing flaps must be lowered to 15 degrees, and the cabin must remain unpressurized. The first officer of the flight informed Cooper that what he specified would limit the aircraft's range to about about 1,000 miles. So a second refueling would be possible if they wanted to make it all the way to Mexico City. And they discussed different options, and they decided that the Reno-Tahoe International Airport would be the next refueling stop. Cooper further directed the staff to take off with, like, the stairs out, and they just kept saying that it wasn't possible and it wasn't safe. And Cooper was just like, it is safe, and it can be done, and we're going to do it. But he, like, didn't keep arguing the point with them. He just let them, like, whatever, fuck it, just suck and start the plane. And so while the plane, as soon as the plane was in the air, then he opened the stairs in the back. Are you visualizing that? The, mm-hmm. Do you remember yesterday when I was doing my notes? And I was like, is that a video? It was of Cooper jumping out of the plane. <laughs> it was oh. like, it, was like a li- it wasn't an actual video. Wow. But it was like... An animation? Yes. And it like just looked like an airplane. And then like the stairs just like slowly dropped down. And he like... And then his little person just jumped out of it. The and I was like... evacuation stairs, right? Yes. Yeah. Got it. And so obviously the other flight attendants left the aircraft. But Cooper demanded that Tina stayed on the aircraft because he needed help. So around 7.40 p.m., Flight 305 took off with only Cooper, Tina, Captain Scott, the first officer, the flight engineer, and that's the only person, the only people that were on the flight. And behind the aircraft were two, I hate how they name planes. I don't know why they name them this way. Behind the aircraft were two F-106s from the McCord Air Force Base and a Lockhead 1033 trainer, which was diverted from an unrelated National Guard mission and they followed behind it. But they stayed in like an S-like flight pattern. So that way Cooper couldn't see them, but they would stay behind it. I just want you to know. I don't know what any of that fucking means. But those are just the facts. And I'm just giving you the facts. I don't know what the fuck they mean. If anybody knows, email I do us. Not, sorry. Somebody email us. Somebody explain it to us. Well, to me. Because they don't care. Anyway. <laughs> After takeoff, Cooper told Tina to lower the stairs. And she told Cooper and the flight crew that she was very scared of getting sucked out of the aircraft, which is very, very plausible, you know. Why do they have seatbelts? Well, if you're standing by the stairs, opening the stairs, where are you going to seatbelt yourself into? Hang on. The flight crew suggested (laughs) that Tina go to the cockpit and retrieve a rope, and then she could tie herself to a seat. So I guess that's what you mean. Cooper said no. (laughs) Because he did not want her going to the front and then coming back. And he did not want them from the front to come back to where they were. But she continued to express that she was uncomfortable and she was scared. And she asked him to cut a cord from one of the parachutes, maybe, so that way he could create a safety line for her. Cooper then told Tina that he would lower the stairs, telling her to go to the cockpit to close the curtain partition, which covers, um, which separates the coach from first class, that little partition thing, and to not come back. (laughs) And to me, that is so funny because he's like, this fucking bitch is so worried about falling out of this fucking airplane. (laughs) 
So he's like, like, no, actually, I don't need you. Go up front. I know, Stay yeah. up there. I think don't it's so funny. Me. He's so sick of her shit. And she has valid concerns. He's like she's She's terrified that she's going to fall on an airplane. He's like, if you don't get the fuck away from me. It's just so funny. Hmm. Before she left, Tina begged Cooper to, quote, please, please, please take the bomb with you. Cooper responded that he would either disarm it or he would take it. But he didn't specify which one he was going to do. I mean, if that at that point, if he's jumping out of the airplane but he could and jump he doesn't out of take it. the bomb, I'm finna just throw the bomb out the window. True. At the at the door. The I don't care where it lands, whatever. Go over the ocean and throw it out. I think they're worried. If, I think the reason that that didn't happen because if he had like a remote detonation thing. I don't know if that was possible back then, but. Well, right as he jumps out, you throw it right behind him. Fair enough. Even if she's up front, just watch when he jumps. Well, it depends on what they're down. flying over. Because if they're flying over like residential things and the bomb lines and it explodes, it's going to blow Sorry, up. Sorry, everybody else. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I thought that's the point you were making. <laughs> as Cena walked to the cockpit, she turned to close the curtain and she saw Cooper standing in the aisle tying what appeared to be the money around his waist in that little baggy thing. Now, from the moment from takeoff to when Tina entered the cockpit, like that whole interaction where she was like scared and he told her to get away, all that kind of stuff, only four to five minutes had passed. For the rest of the flight to Reno, Tina remained in the cockpit and so did everybody else. She was actually the last person to ever see D.B. Cooper. Around 8 p.m., 20 minutes after takeoff, the cockpit warning light flashed, indicating that the flight stairs had been activated so that they'd been opened. The pilot used the cabin intercom to ask Cooper if he needed assistance, but Cooper's last message was a simple one word of reply. No. Which, again, is so funny because he's like, if you don't shut the fuck up. He's like, why the fuck did I hijack this motherfucking airplane with these motherfucking people on Keep it? you annoying ass people on this Which plane. Which is just so funny because they have such valid concerns and he's just so annoyed. I think it's hilarious. Suddenly, the crew's ears popped, meaning that the pressure in the cabin had dropped because the door was open. At approximately 8.13 p.m., the aircraft's tail section suddenly pitched forward, forcing the pilots to trim and to return the aircraft to level flight. Again, I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know what the fuck that means. But those are the facts, and I'm giving them to you. Now, with the door open that, like, the stairs are poking out of, the stairs were open, all this kind of stuff, and the flight crew remained in the cockpit, even though all that was happening, because they did not know if he jumped off the plane yet. They just knew that the stairs were open. That's all they knew, is mm-hmm. that he said he didn't need any help, and then that was it. Tina used the intercom to inform Cooper that they were approaching Reno, which where they were going to go to refuel, and he needed to raise the stairs like the plane could land. And she repeated this request numerous times, and he just never answered. Around 11.02 p.m., which, I remind you, the little sensor that the stairs opened was at 8.15. I'm sorry, 8.13. It's about two hours. Yeah, so now it's 11 p.m. With the stairs still deployed, they finally landed. They landed at the Reno-Tahoe International Airport, where they were going to do the refueling. FBI agents, state troopers, sheriff deputies, and Reno police established a perimeter around the aircraft. But they didn't approach the plane because they obviously didn't know if Cooper was still aboard. And so Captain Scott searched the cabin and he informed everybody that Cooper was no longer on board and neither was the bomb. I feel like they should know that if they have those fighter jets behind them. Shut the fuck up. Mm. We're going to get to that. Mm. <laughs> and then, so obviously he said that like Cooper wasn't aboard. So the bomb squad came aboard and they searched the plane for 30 minutes and then they verified it also that he, him or the bomb was not on the plane anymore. Now, those are the facts. The facts are done. Here comes the conspiracy. No. Now we're going to get to the investigation of it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that still facts? No. Because the facts are like legit, like what happened like moment to moment on the plane. The investigation is what happens after the fact. The conspiracy. You didn't see Stacia, but she like grabbed the side of her head when she said conspiracy. Like she was singing it into the mic. Jesus Christ. 
So aboard the aircraft. The aircraft. <laughs> investigators found. On board. 66 fingerprints. It's a lot of fucking fingerprints. Well, there were 37 passengers. Yeah. A lot of fingerprints. It's at least two fingers per person. A mother but of pearl. But 74. A mother. At least. A mother. A mother. Yeah, but of, we're at 66. A mother of pearl tie clip. <laughs> Jesus oh, mother Christ. of pearl. This guy stinks. Do you guys see what I have to fucking do with these fucking people? <laughs> Jesus Christ. She said you guys, and I was like, who are you speaking to? <laughs> speaking to our podcast besties. They found a hair on Cooper's headrest. They found eight. It's like cigarette butts, basically. Just eight cigarette butts in the armrest. They're very technical about what the kind of cigarette butts are, but no. And then they also found Cooper's black clip-on tie, which the mother of pearl pin was still attached to. Um, a tie clip which is used to clip the tie on, so it wasn't like a regular tie, it was a clip-on tie. And they found two of the four parachutes. And one of them had been cut, because obviously he cut it to, like, make the thing so that way he could take the money, because it was a different kind of sack. Are you confused? Why is your face look like that? Because that's fucked up. Eddie, what, what's parts fucked up? <laughs> There's a lot of things that are fucked up. What part's fucked up? Daddy cut the parachute. Oh, not the hijacking of the airplane? Oh, well, things happen. All right. But he put those people through all that work just to cut it. It's fucked up. Cut it. Cut it. You need to cut it. Cut it. Dab. Cut it. FBI agents interviewed eyewitnesses in Portland, Seattle, and Reno, and they developed a series of sketches of what D.B. Cooper looked like. I do have a picture, if you want to see. Do you want to see what he looks like? Sure. And those of you who are listening along, you can check out on our Instagram at isn't that odd pod on Instagram, like I just said, and (laughs) and then you can see also what he looks like. Unless you're driving. Don't look. Yeah, Stacia. I wanted to. (laughs) This is D.B. Cooper. So that's him with his glasses on and then without okay, glasses Okay, Mr. On. James Bond. He has a big-ass forehead. Look at his forehead. He's a 12-head. big head. forehead. Look at his face. <laughs> that is not James Bond. How would you know? I've seen the James Bond movies. Yeah, that's just the movies. That's not real life. Okay, what's the real one look like? Him. No. How would you know? I've seen... Don't She's say seen you've the seen the movies because it doesn't matter. <laughs> Give me a, show me the picture, then, of James Bond. She just did? That's D.B. Cooper. Who is the real life James Bond? It's actually Kim Kardashian. It's actually Northwest. Allegedly. We already spoke about that. Allegedly. We have to stop talking Rob about the Kardashians. Kardashian. We have to stop talking about the Kardashians. <laughs> They're very Maybe the briefcase was O.J. Simpson's back. <laughs> it's all started to come together, allegedly. Come together. Is that another TikTok reference? 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 Right. Remember Neruda? You going? I couldn't think of the one, no. Oh, okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. Local police and FBI agents immediately began questioning possible suspects. Acting on the possibility that the hijacker may have used his real name or some kind of alias, Portland police discovered and interviewed a Portland citizen whose name was actually D.B. Cooper. The Portland Cooper had a minor police record and was quickly eliminated as a suspect. In the rush to meet a deadline, though, reporter James Long confused the Portland Cooper with the nickname that was given to the hijacker. Which, if you remember from the beginning, the name on the ticket was actually Dan Cooper, not D.B. Cooper. So because of this, he printed the mishap. And another reporter, whose name is Clyde, republished Long's error, causing the media to just stick with the name D.B. Cooper, and that's why he's called D.B. Cooper. But that actually wasn't even the name that was on the ticket. Due to a number of different things, precisely defining the area to search for Cooper was difficult, 
some of the reasons are the estimated airspeed of the jets that were following it kind of varied. They didn't really know how fast they were going. The environmental conditions along the flight path varied, and it, like, affected the location, the latitude, all that kind of stuff. Nothing was definite. They didn't have a definite answer for literally anything, which is insane to me. And obviously, only Cooper knew how long he was in a free fall before he used the parachute, because obviously that affects where you land as well. Crazy enough, though, the Air Force F-106 pilots never saw anybody jumping from the airliner, nor did the radar detect a deployed parachute. But obviously, an individual jumping out of a moonless night in all black would, in fact, be difficult to see, especially with the limited visibility, the cloud coverage, and the lack of ground lighting. So that's why they didn't see him jump out, Paul. That's why I told you to shut the fuck up. Likely story. All right. (laughs) On December 6th of 1971, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. approved the use of Air Force... SR-71 Blackbird to retrace and photograph the flight pattern of Flight 305 in an attempt to locate Cooper or anything that he may have left behind from his jump. But the SR-71 made five flights to retrace it, and due to poor visibility, the photography, like the pictures that were taken, didn't find anything. The investigators started doing experiments to recreate the events of the hijacking, like flying the same aircraft using the hijacking, um, using the same, like, flight configurations, like all those specifications he made about how high to go, how fast to go, stairs out, all that kind of stuff. They even pushed a 200-pound sled out of the open. I don't know how they knew he was 200 pounds. I was like, how do <laughs> Guess. Yeah, was literally. 150 pounds with his, and then I don't know on the parachute. Yeah, I don't fucking know. Parachutes are 30 to Parakeets. 50 pounds. How do you know that? I googled it. <laughs> Depending on the parachute. I love you googled it in silence, because we just google it on the fly. We're just like, and google it. <laughs> And they were able to reproduce the way the cabin was when he opened the stairs. I don't know how they were able to do it again. I don't fucking understand that. But they were able to reproduce everything. Now, using a fixed-wing aircraft and helicopters from the Oregon Army National Guard, the FBI coordinated an aerial search along the entire flight path from Seattle to Reno. They saw numerous broken treetops, several pieces of plastic, and other objects resembling parachutes. After being investigated, though, nothing was relevant to the hijacking. Do you have anything to say, Paul? You look very sad. <laughs> mm. Are you bored? Huh? Are you bored? I'm really tired. I'm trying really hard to keep, tu- to keep tuned in and not zone out. Well, it's going to get good soon, so shut up. Uh. <laughs> Other searches included teams of FBI agents aided by 200 Fort Lewis Air Force personnel, Army National Guard, and civilian volunteers through the grounds of which they thought that he fell in. They didn't find anything. Also, an electric explorations company used a submarine to search a 200 foot depths into the lake that was right by the area where they assumed that he fell but they also didn't find anything and the fbi concluded that their original calculation for the jump were actually incorrect so they just wasted everybody's time love that <laughs> and they determined that cooper probably jumped out of the airplane over a town called la center washington which is hilarious because why is it called la center because it's la space center Mm. because it's the <laughs> less center of the state that's what i assumed and it'd be really funny if it wasn't mm. google it where is it no <laughs> you say no yeah washington state yeah in 2000 new mexico you guys really just aren't listening huh? <laughs> you said the reno airport yeah is that not new mexico nevada reno nevada yeah those yeah. are two different places washington you know mm-hmm. huh i'm confused where are we coming from? Yeah. Why are you confused? Because Reno isn't. What airport Mexico? are we coming from again? Seattle. 
That's why. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why I'm not. That's why I'm very confused. Is why you guys are confused. So the flight path. They did not make it to Mexico City. They did not make it there. He jumped out because they had to. They, they had Reno. to refuel in Nevada. Yes, they had to land in Reno to refuel. So he just jumped out like before they refueled. They just made the entire yes. Trip. yes, yes, yes. Stupid. Idiots. They didn't make the entire trip though because they stopped well, I mean, in Nevada. Like, yeah, they didn't know he jumped off. I would have yeah. around right there. Well, they still <laughs> had to land somewhere. Um, no. In two thousand nineteen, the FBI released a report indicating that about three hours after Cooper's jump, a burglary. You'll get it. Burglary. Yep. A bur- <laughs> burg. Burg. Don't talk. A burglar. <laughs> A burglar. <laughs> burglary. It's only a bur. <laughs> I look like a burnt chicken nugget. <laughs> Say it. I still love myself. Say the word. Burglary was reported. Wait, what? At a small grocery store. What was reported? A burglary. Bur- <laughs> <laughs> Near Hessen. <laughs> Jesse, what did you say, dude? <laughs> This fucking episode. What am I searching for? Again? Nothing. We're gone now. Oh, <laughs> 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 that's why I'm just like, wait, what am I searching? You guys are fucking killing me. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> what was I searching for? Nothing. Now? Nothing. You're not well, searching for point? Nothing okay. now. No, we're not talking about it anymore. Burglary, you fucking me up. <laughs> it also fucked me up. And Berg. Dean Kohlberg. In 2009, the FBI released a report indicating that about three hours after Cooper had jumped out of the airplane, a burglary was reported at a small grocery store near Hiesen, Washington. I think it's how you pronounce it down. I don't know how to pronounce that. The burglar was noted by the FBI to have taken only survival items, such as beef jerky and gloves. Ultimately, though, all the searching and all the investigating recovered nothing some later developments in the case revealed that the plane was actually further east than it was assumed because captain scott was flying manually and not under autopilot like they had assumed so circling back the fbi was just making assumptions about like where the plane was based on like numbers that they just made up because they were wrong twice just putting making that very clear are you okay stacia does no one know about (laughs) anything they did that i don't fucking know only cooper apparently only one who had everything mapped out yeah clearly about a month after the hijacking the fbi distributed lists of this ransom numbers that were on, on this like the serial numbers that were on the ransom bills that's what i was trying to say they released it to like casinos racetracks and other businesses that routinely dealed in cash also to law enforcement agencies around the world because you never know where he ended up after that in an effort to see if the bills that cooper got were actually being used so they're basically looking for dirty money northwest northwest <laughs> I thought you said East. Northwest. <laughs> Airline also offered a reward of 15% of the recovered money to a maximum of $25,000. Nice. In early 1972, the U.S. Attorney General, John N. Mitchell, released the serial numbers to the general public, which would end up not being the best idea, because two men used counterfeit $20 bills printed with Cooper's serial numbers to scam a local reporter out of $30,000. Because they claimed to know who the hijacker was and claimed to set up an interview. And instead, they just took the money and left. Mm. That would be my 13th reason. Same. So despite numerous attempts of like releasing the serial numbers and people getting scammed and all that kind of stuff, no real bills were actually ever found this way. 
On February 10th of 1980, eight-year-old Brian Ingram was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River on the, like a beachfront area known as Tina Bar. It's about nine miles away from Vancouver and about 20 miles southwest of Ariel. I'm assuming it's also in Washington because why would they say that? While there, he uncovered three packs of the ransom cash, totaling around $5,800 as he raked the sandy beach up because he was trying to start a campfire. Why are you looking at me like that? That's so weird. <laughs> the bills had disintegrated from lengthy exposure from the elements, but surprisingly were still bundled in the rubber bands. And FBI technicians did confirm that these, in fact, were the money that was given as ransom. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, so he just jumped out, like, in Washington State? We're getting to that. You guys have, you just keep, this is what I do to you, Paul. Mm -hmm. Every time. (laughs) So in the bag were two packs of $120 bills. And in the third pack was only 90. 90 bills? Yes. Mm. (laughs) All arranged in the same exact order that it was when it was given to Cooper. So it's almost like he didn't even fucking touch the money. Unless it came loose. From when he was dropping? Because he tied it around his waist. So depending on how he tied it and how it was, it could have like fallen out. That is a theory that people have. It's not theory, it's fact. Okay, proud of you. Thanks. An Army Corps engineer hydrologist noted that the bills were disintegrated in a round way and they were matted together, indicating they had been disposed in the river for a while as opposed to being, like, deliberately buried. This would support the um, opinion that Cooper had not landed near the lake and basically, like, the money just dropped in the lake and had floated down there. But in late 2020, analysis of dimitons found in the bills suggested that the bundles found in Tina Bar were not submerged in the river or buried dry at the time of the hijacking. So I know what you're asking. What are dimitons? They're literally just, like, microalgae. And it's basically just, like, a range of microalgae. And, like, depending on where you the range is, it tells you where that was found. And the dimitons that were found in the bills were only available during springtime. And this happened on Thanksgiving Eve. So that leaves huh. several months in between. Go ahead. That's Cartoon It is, yeah. I'm trying to put it together <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> so anyway, not in 2020 anymore. So now we're in 1986. And after prolonged negotiations, the recovered bills were split equally between Brian, the kid who found them, and the Northwest um, insurer, because obviously the Northwest paid the ransom money out, but it got split between them. And then the FBI kept 14 pieces of the bills as evidence. And Better Brian... the smaller bills. It's all 20s. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Brian actually sold 15 of his bills at an auction in 2008 for $37,000. Good for you. As he should. Mm-hmm. You know what he was doing? And the Columbia River... He D.B. Cooper. <laughs> he was eight at the time, so no, he's not. Mm. Time travel. <laughs> oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. What episode was that? I don't even remember. Project Pegasus. Go listen to it. Um, the Columbia right. River... Huh? Hmm? Fucking bloody hell. <laughs> the Columbia River... Same. <laughs> Ransom muddy. Peg. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I was waiting. Why are you saying peg? Pegasus. But pegging. Oh. Pegging? <laughs> I was going to cut that out, so that's fine. <laughs> what? I had to be clear. I'm so close to being done. The Columbia River ransom money remains the only confirmed physical evidence from the hijacking outside of what was found in the aircraft. All right. So, after an hour and 35 minutes of us recording, getting through the facts and the evidence... We're now going at the conspiracy. We're now going to come to the final part of our story today, where we're going to be talking about the suspects, as Stacia 
so thankfully named our conspiracy section. And I just want to say this right now, it's also still open for someone else to be the co-host of this podcast. <laughs> Wait, before we continue. Okay. Um, I don't know why I was looking up La Center, Washington. <laughs> that's that's what I told you to Google earlier. But, and I got um, mad at you. It's got, it got its name because it was actually called uh, Timmins Landing after John Timmin. Uh, but it was the head of navigation on the Lewis River in the center of shipping and travel. So it got renamed as the center of commerce. And mm. they changed it to the center. Ah, okay. Okay. So. Thank you for that yeah. history lesson. I love that. So before we start this section, again, I just want to preface that the FBI was skeptical about Cooper's chances of survival, and they actually think that he possibly died when he jumped out of the aircraft. Good. Their reasoning ranged from... <laughs> The reasonings range from lack of skydiving experience to the imminent weather of the night of the hijacking to the unused ransom money that was found on the beach. But without a body, they could make no concrete call that he died when he jumped out of the plane. And it was only, what, 9K of the money? Yeah. Thus. 9K? is 5,800. 5, yeah. yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Oh. You're right, yeah. Oh. Inflation, and, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. This is today's money. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. It would probably be a lot more than $9. I'm about actually. to Google it. <laughs> and thus <laughs> they had more than 1000 serious suspects that's, that's a too many th- a lot that's a lot right and so that's not even including all the people who weren't serious suspects mm-hmm. and we do not have the time to go through that many suspects because i would be here forever because station paul will not shut Am the fuck up name them but between the years of 1971 and 2016 they had a thousand serious 2016. suspects mm-hmm. after 30 that's years like you gave up we're only going to talk about the popular theories. And if anybody has a problem with that, Stacia, you can fucking fight me. Stacia's putting her hair behind her ear. <laughs> Stacia's putting her hair behind her ear. What are you going to say? We're talking about the what? The conspiracy? I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, I'm done. I'm done with the conspiracy. Starting off strong with Robert Rockshaw. Rock- <gasps> I know him. I knew that guy was fake as soon as I he met did him it. once. I knew it. Oh, okay. It was instantly fake. <laughs> Are you going to cry? <laughs> I'm trying to laugh so hard. <laughs> because it was too quick. <laughs> Rockshaw was a former U.S. military paratrooper, and many suspected that he could have used his top tier military training to successfully parachute out of the airplane. He was discharged from the U.S. Army after serving in Vietnam, and his discharge may have given him motivation to carry out the hijacking. Because do you remember, D.B. Cooper said that he doesn't have, like, a bone to pick with the airline. He just has a bone to pick. So that could possibly be why, because it could be this guy. What did you say? Mm -hmm, I said I was about to say that. Um, I was going to say, I want to know what his grudge was. Rockshaw also had a lengthy criminal record with arrests for bad checks, falsifying military records, and domestic violence. He was even charged for the murder of his stepfather before being acquitted by a jury. So he did have a criminal record. He also attempted to fake his death in 1978 by crashing a rented plane into Montgomery Bay in California. However, he was found by investigators a few months later and was charged, spending two years in prison for his crimes. The FBI began investigating Rackshaw about the Cooper case in 1979, but was ultimately ruled out as a suspect. So if you remember in the beginning, I cited the source, the Netflix documentary, D.B. Cooper, Where Are You? In this documentary, the theory that Rackshaw was a CIA black ops agent was explored by investigator Tom Colbert. Colbert suggests, I choked on that, Rackshaw's potential involvement with the CIA made it so he couldn't be investigated by the FBI. And he thinks that's why the FBI just disregarded him. 
However, this is just a theory and there's no concrete evidence that he was linked with the CIA. During his lifetime, Rakshaw never admitted to being D.B. Cooper and he always denied it. And he died of a heart disease on July 9th of 2019. Rest in peace. Sidebar. That was a really good Netflix documentary. I watched it a while ago. I know you guys won't watch it, but you guys, listeners, you should watch it. I might. You should. Next. (laughs) Next, we're talking about Richard Dick Briggs. That's his name. They call him Dick. Cock. So stupid. Cock. Ooh. Torture. Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. I made it so long. So Richard was actually a cocaine supplier. Oh. And he was a criminal who claimed to be D.B. Cooper back in the 1970s. It ain't him. A friend of Briggs, his name was Ron Carlson. He recalls how Briggs would often tell people he was D.B. Cooper. He also recalled about how once at a party in Oregon, Briggs not only claimed to be Cooper, but he also predicted that the ransom money would be found by a couple at that party. Five days later, it would be found on a riverbank by the couple's eight-year-old son, Brian. As if that's not weird enough, Briggs was actually friends with our first suspect, Robert Rackshaw. But Briggs unfortunately died on December 12th of 1980 at the age of 41 years old from a single car accident. Just way too many coincidences. Like, why? It's crazy that that kid found the money. It was him. And his parents are at that party, and he's like, yeah, they're going to find the money because, like... But that doesn't make sense. How does that not make sense? It was him. Because how how were they going to make sure that that kid was the one who found the money? Because if you think about it, if he says at the party, like, oh, that couple's going to find the money, and then five days later, that couple randomly goes to this beach... Their son randomly is digging in sand to build a fire, and he actually finds the money. After five days earlier, someone predicted that, that was going to happen. The coincidence of that happening is not... It's but very still. slow. He probably heard they were going to a beach or whatever. But, like, the spot that he found it, like, how is all that just going to be, like, solidified that it's going to happen? He could have dug some The point is... No, the point is that... Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a coinky dink. No, the point is that Richard told the parents where to go. And that's why they went to that beach and told them that that's where the money would be. Oh, like they were having a conversation? Yes. And he's like, oh, I, you, I know a really good beach. You yes, because to. he would tell, he constantly told people that he was D.B. Cooper. So he, I'm assuming the conversation probably went like, I'm D.B. Cooper. This is where I buried the money. You should go look. And then five days later, the money the was found. the parents didn't look for it. The kid found it. I think they had, I mean, this is all speculation, obviously, but I'm assuming that the kid was the one who dug for it and found it because like if a, like an adult found it, they're probably like, I squint. Side eye. Still I squint. But at the same time, if you were D.B. Cooper and you got away with all of that, why would you just willingly tell people you were that person? I guess... It, he was a cokehead. I guess people are that stupid and would just gloat and be like, <laughs> I was D.B. Cooper. He was a drug dealer. I got away with it. This is not coming out of my noggin. I'm just repeating information. No, I know. Oh, okay. Just, you guys are just coming at me. I was I'm like, just I just saying. I'm just giving you my thoughts. <laughs> Thanks. A winky dink. Oh. Dink. Dick. Richard. Penis. Anyway, next we're going to talk about William Bill Gossett. William Gossett was in the Marine Corps. He was also in the Army, and he was an Air Force. And he was an Air Force veteran. He served in Korea and in Vietnam. Thanks for your service. He was a skilled parachutist and had survival training. In 2008, Gossett's son, Greg, told the Standard Examiner that he believed that his father was D.B. Cooper. He reclaimed that a time in 1988 when he turned 21... You used to call him a snitch. Just dry snitching. <laughs> At the time when he turned 21, his dad 
took out a sketch of D.B. Cooper, the one that I showed you earlier, and he showed it to his son, and he said, who does this resemble? William Gossett then admitted to his son, I want you to know that in 1971, I hijacked an airplane, is what he said to his son. Greg said he asked his father what he did with the ransom money, and William allegedly pulled out two keys that he claimed were for a safety deposit box that was in Vancouver, British... Hmm. I love that. I love British for you, Columbia. <laughs> British Columbia, which is in Canada. <gasps> Wait. What? We have a listener in British Columbia. That's your friend, right? Yep. Hi. You mean British Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where he said the money was stored. I didn't mean to snort. Kirk, who was another son of William. I'm going to die, Coke. Mm. Asked his father. Can we go to the store? Don't you? Can I finish episode? the story? Can I finish the story? <laughs> Kirk, who was another son of William, said that his father told him multiple times that he was responsible for the Cooper hijacking, telling him that he couldn't tell anybody until after he died. William Gossett died in 2003, and obviously this all came out in 2008. The FBI has no evidence or any way to place William in the Pacific Northwest during the time of the hijacking. And now we have one more person to talk about, and then we'll be done, and you guys can shut the fuck up. So today, we are going to end off on Richard McCoy Jr. Dick. Richard McCoy was an Army veteran who served two tours of duty in Vietnam. Duty. First as a demolition expert, and then later as one of the, quote, Green Berets as a helicopter pilot. After his service, you know, in the Army, military, all that stuff, he became an avid recreational skydiver. On April 7th... Happy birthday! (laughs) 1972, when I was nothing more than a twinkle... In your mother's eye. My mom wasn't even born yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe my dad. I don't know how old my dad is. Wait. Anyway. You don't know what year your mom was born? My mom was born in 73. Huh? Ah. Anyway. Bes- anyway. A twinkle in your mother's fetus eye. Yeah, literally. Anyway. On April 7th, McCoy staged the best known, quote, copycat of the, hi- of the hijacking. He boarded Airlines Flight 855, which was a Boeing... 727 with stairs with shaft stairs like the other one he did this in denver colorado he had a paperweight which resembled a hand grenade and an unloaded handgun he demanded four parachutes and five hundred thousand dollars after the delivery of the money and the parachutes to san francisco international airport mccoy ordered the aircraft back to the sky and bailed out over provo utah i think that's how you pronounce that it's p-r-o-v-o provo leaving behind his hand on the plane when he jumped out, he left behind his handwritten hijacking instructions and his fingerprints on a magazine that he was reading. So he did not do a very good job at it. He was arrested on April 9th with the ransom cash in his possession, and he received a 45-year prison sentence. Two years later, he escaped from the Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary with several accomplices. He was tracked down three months later in Virginia Beach, where he was killed in a shootout with FBI agents. In the 1991 book, D.B. Cooper, The Real McCoy, Parole officer Bernie Rhodes and former FBI agent Russell Kalame, I think you sorry to pronounce that name, asserted that they identified McCoy as Cooper. Assured. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to let her have it. Oh. What did I say? Assured. I don't even remember. I blacked out. I was just trying to get through <laughs> I it. I blacked out. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> they cited that there was obvious similarities in the two hijackings. Claims by McCoy's family that the tie and the mother of pearl neck clip that was found on the Cooper plane actually belonged to McCoy. 
and that McCoy's own refusal to admit or deny that he was D.B. Cooper. So he just never answered when they would say that it was him. That's weird that he did it. If this was the same guy, he'd be able to do it as clean as they did the first time, and the second time he got messy? That doesn't sound right. Yeah, that's why some people don't agree And can't they compare the handwriting on the notes? No, because D.B. Cooper took the note. She handed it back to him, remember? That lady fucked everything up. Mm Mm-hmm. Fucking Tina. Or Florence. Tina, my mom? Mm -hmm. It was Florence. Florence. Although McCoy... What'd you say? In the machine. Although McCoy definitely committed the Denver hijacking because they knew for a fact that he did. The FBI does not consider him a suspect for the Cooper case because of the mismatched age and descriptions between the two, of the level of skydiving skill that D.B. Cooper supposedly has, they believe is way above McCoy's level of skill, credible evidence that McCoy was actually in Las Vegas on the day of the hijacking, and then the day after that, he ended up making it home to Utah to have Thanksgiving dinner with his family. On July 8th of 2016, the FBI announced that active investigation of the Cooper case was suspended. So that's why when I said earlier that it went from like 1971 to 2016, it's because they suspended the case in 2016. Citing that they needed to focus the investigational research, like resources that they have, on higher issues of more urgency and importance. But local field offices would continue to accept any legitimate physical evidence that may emerge in the future. All the evidence that's been ever been collected is open to the public. You can see it on the FBI website. But this crime remains the only unsolved case of air piracy that's ever been committed in history. And that, after this long fucking time, is the story of D.B. Cooper. Do you guys have any questions? No, that's pretty cool. Good for him. (laughs) Oh, you have nothing to say? You've been talking the whole fucking time and now you have nothing to say? No, because, I mean, he only lost minimal money. For me personally, this is one of my favorite conspiracy theory ever because it's to me it's insane that he was able to do this and he just was literally has never been found. Like they, they don't know if he died, they don't know if he's still alive. They just so, don't know. I think he's still alive and he just lost a little bit of money out of. I mean, at this point, he, he could possibly be dead by old age, but still, well, yeah, you but like at the it, time, huh? Even though like you don't like missing person stories. This is different. I don't like... <laughs> no, you call me out. I don't like missing person stories that involve things like... Um, things that, like, you can't explain. Like, example for, like, that Loris Medank case. When I covered it, like, we did not know why he just fucking booked it and why he was acting crazy. Like, there's no reason for why he did that. He just did it and he's missing. He's just presumed dead in the woods. But, like, for D.B. Cooper, it's like... He just was... He just outsmarted everybody and he was just able to do it in a way that was so precise that he was just never caught either that or just the people who were investigating it were just stupid because let's not forget that three times they did can they got the numbers wrong of where they should be searching this one doesn't sit right with me (laughs) it's a very popular what was the grudge two why did you need that money that's what i'm saying too where are you four says the netflix documentary (laughs) four you didn't use any of that money that you needed yeah that's the point too it's like i wonder if he just did it just to prove that he could do it and so you you said earlier that you saw the Loki episode where like Loki just gets like transported after he jumps on the plane with the money, just no. like oh I thought you said earlier that you saw it whatever. <laughs> anyway, Paul, do you have any thoughts? You're over there rubbing your head really hard. My head is itchy. So you don't have any thoughts? Um, I feel like if anything, like you said, he probably just did it just to say he did it. Well, just to show that he could do it, even if he doesn't tell anybody that he did it. Mm. You know, self confidence boost sort of deal. I don't believe that that um, uh, drug dealer... very confident, though. Yeah, I don't think the drug dealer is D.B. Cooper, but I do think it's very interesting that that couple was at the party 
And he was just like, they're going to find the money. And then their kid finds the money five days later. I want to know the explanation for that. And I want to know if there's actually a reason of why that happened or if it's a coincidence or if they weren't there and he just lied about it. I just need to know the answer to that. I feel like he just lost that little bit of money by accident. He has the rest just stored somewhere. Maybe said, hey, don't touch this for a while until they kind of forget about it and then start using it or something like that. Or money launder it. I feel like, yeah, so like dirty money stuff. That's yeah. exactly, that's why they started looking for it to see if it was in circulation because of mm-hmm. money laundering stuff. Personally, I feel like he probably could have died jumping out He's of the airplane. But if uh, he did die jumping out of the airplane, where's the rest of the money and why hasn't that been found yet? I feel like he, like you said, Paul, like he just jumped and then that money fell out. He lost yeah, some of some, that money. some of it fell by accident because he already said it was a cloth bag that wasn't like you requested, so it didn't seem secure to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then he was just tying it to his waist, so I think he was only using the string from the parachute. So I don't think it was secured well. Yeah, I feel like he probably landed, got somewhere, because obviously he had somebody waiting for him. There's no way you just hijack an airplane. You don't have a backup plan. But I feel like he probably got to where he was going, and I feel like he probably left the country. That's, like, the easiest way to get out of the country. Especially, like, you just go to another country, and then you just go to, like, the embassy or something and just switch out the money before it's, like, reported that, like, yeah. of the serial numbers and stuff like that. It's so easy to just do that. Right. That's what I feel like probably happened. And then worst case, you have this currency from another country, and then you just switch it back to US American, dollars, yeah. and then yeah. it's clean money. Yep. Exactly. So... That is the end of our story today. Um, it's a really big case. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on it. So I kind of just gave you like the clear-cut facts because obviously you guys aren't familiar with the case. Um, but if anybody has any opinions or anything I missed, then you could email us at isn'thatoddpod at gmail.com. Do you have anything else you want to add or is that it? No, I think that was it. That was a really good episode. Good job. <laughs> you did really good. I'm chuckling because Paul and Sasha would not shut the fuck up the whole episode. <laughs> We're kikiing. We're having fun. We're on like two hours of this episode that it's I have to fine. edit down. And it's fine. At least it'll be an hour long episode. Oh, I know. Yeah, true. You guys are going to get a long episode. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was really good. Good job. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. I really enjoyed it. I like doing nothing. Um, except maybe not because then I like kind of drift and I'm like. Paul got really bored. He ended up, he was laying on the floor, not even like 10 minutes ago. And I was it like, get back in your chair. Because, because for I'm what it's worth, I've been sitting in this chair like this for two hours. Cause you and guys, usually at this point, we'd have a break. We'd do something, but we didn't. Well, it could have been done, but you guys were just fucking we just, kept going. We just shoved straight just through the episode. Yeah. What's your sign again? He's a Virgo. Okay. What's your signs? I don't even remember mine. I used to be my best friend. I'm an Aries. No, other one. Virgo, Virgo. Okay. We're all Virgo. Okay. It makes sense. <laughs> we're all connected in the mind right now. <laughs> Anyways. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, so uh, you can find our podcast on anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple Music, Spotify, maybe YouTube if we figure that shit out. We're never going to figure that out. Or you can follow us on our social medias at Isn't That Odd Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Isn't That Odd Podcast on Facebook. Yep. I couldn't get Isn't That Odd Pod, but that's fine. Um, so essentially, you can find us anywhere you do the socials or <laughs> you listen to the socials with your ears listening so Where are you listening ears anyway do you have anything to say YouTube. Stacia? no yeah thanks for joining did you us a whole different experience did you love it i didn't expect yeah it's been <laughs> a good time it was a great time thanks for really joining funny. us we we're so happy to have you oh thank you so much thank you for having me oh my god anytime it's anyway like you'll be on the other episode um are you so guys gonna kiss now or what <laughs> we might with tom so <laughs> 
if you guys liked having Stacia on the podcast, you know, let us know because she'll probably be back on again because I love her and maybe no, I, I want to come back. And that's fine. Or if you didn't, also let us know. I'm that way I can keep her out of my house. Oh, yeah. Too bad for you. I was going to say, also, if you didn't like it, yeah, too, with Stacia. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. Anyway, that's it. But yeah, I think that's all we have. I don't know. My mind is mush. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Tuesday because you listen to this when the episode drops because you're a super fan. See you next Tuesday. Yeah, so we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. To another episode of Isn't That Odd Pod. But until then, don't be a douchebag. Don't be a dick. She's got nothing. Don't be a see you next Tuesday. We love that. Don't be a cunt. Be a menace. No. (laughs) Be a menace. Live your best life. And we will see you on the next one. For the next one. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.